0: Football Social Daily, the Premier
2: League podcast. Welcome to Football Social Daily. Premier League news and opinion every weekday. And what a week in the top flight it's been so far. In and amongst the chaos of Manchester City being accused by the Premier League of breaking its financial rules, Jesse was given his marching orders at Leeds United. Sorry, that was that was a Apparently shocker. Dream, that man. was a shocker, wasn't it? But what was just as shocking was the way that Leeds flew out of the trap to Old Trafford against Manchester United last night. Leeds in the lead, inside a minute, are oh, the Whites nyonce or something. With their diminutive italian but even after a two-goal advantage they couldn't hold on as ten hags reds rallied Jaden sancho striking from the shadows so who next to take up the hot seat at ellen road we'll try and unpick that as well as your questions which have been sent in to us including some on those manchester city allegations my name's niall this is fsd and with me today in the studio marley anderson and Joel Tudor. All right, lads. Good morning. Hoping the podcast gets better than them puns, <laughs> yeah. to be honest. <laughs> the only, um, only way is up from there, isn't it? <laughs> the only way <laughs> is up. That is one way to, uh, to do it. Yeah. I mean, I'm not normally one to throw a few puns in there, but it was just too good we to We need miss. a pun bell now. Forget the cliche bell. I was trying to think of ways I pun could describe That's what we need. <laughs> Jesse Marsh being sacked and I was thinking dismissed, fired. Marching orders. And I thought, Martian orders, it works. So I thought I've I had to go one. for it. He was Chicago fired.
3: <laughs> he used to play for them. I've seen a that's clip ridiculous. of him. That's good. I'm annoyed I'm not the host now.
2: Well, we'll come on to Jesse Marsh Chicago in a second. Chicago fired. <laughs> because Jesse Marsh. Uh, a, a Jesse Marsh-less Leeds United were in action last night in the Premier League against Manchester United. Joel, that's your club. How did you watch the game last night? Because it wasn't on... UK TV, was Are you it? Are trying to incriminate me I'm here not trying something? to incriminate you. <laughs> I,
4: uh, I listened with my ears last night. You're a good
2: man. You're a good man. Well, I didn't have any issues watching it because <laughs> I've got a NordVPN subscription. So I was able just to set my location to somewhere else and sign in and watch the game as if I was watching it from overseas. So I didn't have the trouble that you had of having to go through the pain. Allegedly, I might have done the same. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you can get a NordVPN subscription as well by using the website address nordvpn.com forward slash FSD. You'll already get a huge discount on your plan. But seeing as it's Nord's 11th birthday today, so happy birthday, NordVPN, they're giving you the chance to win some extra stuff as well. So head over to the website if you've not already signed up to NordVPN. Make sure you do that. It's a great way to get around things like geoblocking. It's nordvpn.com forward slash FSD. Right, before we talk about Manchester United against Leeds United, let's talk about what's happened at Leeds over the last few days. Of course, the Premier League landscape has been dominated by that news that Manchester City have been accused of more than 100 financial breaches. But on Monday, Jesse Marsh was also sacked by Leeds United. So let's come on to that first and foremost, because we haven't had a chance to react to it on FSD. Was that a surprise, Marley, that
3: Jesse Marsh was sacked? Or do you think it was perhaps expected? Um, perhaps a pr- bit of both, really. But expected because I, I kept seeing fans going on about, um, like, we don't, don't understand his tactics, don't understand what he's trying to do. Would do you know what was trending? Yank
2: Lampard. <laughs> I There's loads
3: of puns to be, uh, to be made around Jesse Marsh, to be honest. I think yes. Jodie Marsh would have done a better job in charge, to be fair, <laughs> of Leeds United. If you don't know who, J- who Jodie Marsh is, make sure <laughs> you're Google not it. at work when you Google. Make sure you're using NordVPN.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you're <Googling. laughs> yeah, set your, yeah, don't use your work laptop. Yeah, yeah, make sure you set your location NordVPN. to the moon or something. Yeah.
3: <laughs> um, what was I even saying? Yeah, um, you know, I think the Leeds fans had, had started to turn um there was every now and again there was signs of improvement with Leeds um i thought from from sort of watching them sort of sparingly not for a full 90 minutes every week but they always looked very shaky at the back they've never looked solid at the back and it tends to be well you know we'll we'll uh, sort of rely on our attacking vibes to get us through games and we'll we'll win 3-2 and it was a bit like you need to go back to back to basics a little bit at first and then Build from there, because if you've got the attacking flair, it's about keeping the back door shut, I think. But, you know, Nanto obviously a good player. Somerville, they scored last night and we'll come on to that in a bit. But, you know, there's talent in that squad. Um, but I just don't know if Marsh knew how to how to get the best out of it. And obviously, he's ended up getting sacked and Leeds are back to, uh, to square one.
2: Leeds have only won two of their last 12 games. That was before last night's match against Manchester United. So understandable really as much as he was given a year at the helm Joel as much as he was given I think 140 million pounds to spend and as much as I think he's a nice guy and no doubt a pretty good coach do you think that he had enough time to be able to maybe be more successful at least than he was do you think that it is the simple fact and we can get the cliche bell out here that it is a results business and that's why he's lost his
4: job yeah it's a shame for him because he got the American Revolution starting, nearly. <laughs> I thought it was for me then. I was going to say, what? No, I was just trying uh, to find
2: the cliche that was under the desk somewhere.
4: Yeah, I mean, he's brought over all the Americans to his team, and to be fair, they've all adapted fairly well. I mean, I was excited to see Weston McKenney, for example, since he just brought him in, yeah. and he barely even got to play under him. And obviously, Tyler mm. Adams, who's the USA captain, uh, they're all pretty good signings and ones that he knows. And I don't think any other manager would have made as many, you know, US transfers, for example. But again, like you say, it's just the fact that prior to this Manchester United game, they had no win in seven. The momentum was completely shot. There was no signs of improvements whatsoever. And I think I think they could have afforded him a little bit more time based on the amount of signings that they made. I mean, they just bought Jorginho Ruta for, I think, mm. £36 million. That's a big price to pay for someone who's not even going to play for the manager who's just brought him in. So it was confusing because they backed him a lot, especially in January as well. And then to suddenly yeah. get rid of him, that's the thing that makes me a little bit curious. Is it the timing then? Is that the thing that you're maybe thinking about here?
2: Because you mentioned Weston McKenney, you know, he signs Weston McKenney and doesn't even get even to play a game. Yeah, he's you know? only so greeted it, him, that's it. It's, it's one of those things where straight after he's had a transfer window, we're talking early February, the window shuts on the 31st of January. And
4: they've sacked him. So is is it the timing of it that maybe is more of a surprise? I think what's clear to me is that this wasn't in the plans because they wouldn't have allowed him to make, you know, Weston McKenney a signing, Jorginho Ruta a signing, and then the next manager who comes in, you might not fancy either of them. That's the risk that you play when you start sacking managers and backing them uh, after transfer windows. So it was a surprise for me. It just seems like a bit of a split reaction rather than something that was in the works. Right, But... I think regardless, they would have made that amount of signings in January because they're in trouble. They, they had to make reinforcements. And I think they were pretty safe ones as well. I mean, Western McKenney playing for Juventus, playing in Champions League is a pretty sure-fit loan mm, deal as well. Mm, it's mm. not a permanent signing. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see who they actually bring in because it just feels like they've still not truly recovered from Marcelo Bielsa's influence, I think. It's like they're almost in that... No man's land of trying to find... Because they've got a great set of players. When you look at the squad, there's a lot of good international players, a lot of youth players. Mm. Uh, I just feel like they need a manager who's got the tactical nous to actually galvanise it a little bit and make it cohesive. Mm. And I wonder how Bielsa would have done with this squad because there's a lot more technical players in it compared to what he did have when they first came in the Premier League.
2: Yeah, we'll talk about Bielsa in a bit more detail shortly because there are some suggestions that he might even return to Elm Road, which would be pretty wild. But do you think Jesse Marsh will work in the Premier League again, Marley? Because we've seen how much the Premier League is growing in the United States and North America in general. It's growing exponentially. Um, So many more fans being welcomed into the Premier League from across the pond every single season. And I think it's good that we do have some sort of American representation, whether that's in the form of players or until recently a manager in Jesse Marsh. But we've seen American managers and coaches try their hand in the Premier League in the past. Bob Bradley being an example, didn't really work out. Uh, And of course, now Jesse Marsh, who's got decent pedigree. When you look at the clubs he's managed, Leipzig did really well with Salzburg and brought through players like Erling Haaland. Do you think he'll work in the Premier League again? Or do you think that it will still be a bit of time before we see an American coach become truly successful in the top flight?
3: Uh, I can't see him working in the Premier League again. Um, I think he's shot as... I think we've seen enough of him to to form an opinion of him. He had a year um, in the job so. Yeah, I mean a year it's it's not a long time is it but it's as long as you get these days. So if you can't show signs in a year um it's it's not looking good for you obviously I can't predict the predict predict the future but you know someone might have a chance take a chance on him again he probably would jump at the chance to come back but I'm just not sure. I always think it you start off on the wrong foot when you are American in the Premier League it's unfortunate um, that that's the case, but I'm inclined to agree with you because I do think that there is yeah some um, sort of stigma around that. I try not to sound like to come across sort of like xenophobic or anything like that, and like say Americans can't last. But there's just something in the English culture which sort of doesn't
2: mm, I know quite marry to up
3: with the American psyche yeah. of of how they think and how they do things. Yeah, and yeah. I think when you come into an English club, especially like. Club like Leeds, like working mm. class, you know, or every, everyone around the, yeah. round the, mm. it's a one club city type of, uh, type of place, and I just think when you come in, you're American, you start off with all the, all the fellas that go and queue up and buy the pints and buy the shirts and stuff, and you bring in these different ways, they're just not as receptive to it as they are when Bielsa comes in, and he's already got the, the, um, the, the sort of CV that says yeah. like. I am a bit crazy, but my methods work. Everyone gets behind that. <laughs> they but... were
2: selling buckets, weren't they, in the club shop? Exactly. I mean, <laughs> if you can sell if on. you can sell buckets, <laughs> <laughs> if you can
3: sell buckets as a club to a fan base, <laughs> you're doing something right. I mean, I don't know what the Marsh equivalent of that was. Um, well, there wasn't one, but it, you know, I don't think you will work in the Premier League again. Um, I can't see a club that would take a take a chance on him. Who do Leeds look to as a replacement for Jesse
2: Marsh, who lost his job on Monday? You've touched upon Marcelo Bielsa. Could we see him come back? Do you think that would be a bit of a wild move, considering he was linked with the Everton job... That went to Sean Dyche, and obviously Sean Dyche's first game in charge was a massive win against league leaders Arsenal. Marcelo Bielsa was in the running for that job, but allegedly wanted to take over the under-21s before (laughs) then moving into the full-time Everton job in the summer, which is the most most Bielsa thing I think I've ever heard. Um, Who do you think Leeds should be going for? Do you think, seeing as they are a touch above the relegation zone, and it looks so tight down there right now, do you think they should be going for someone who can keep them in the league, maybe on a short-term contract? Or do you think that they should be trying to make an appointment in terms of succession plan to Jesse Marsh? What sort of profile of manager should they be going for, do you think?
4: I think they need to go to a similar profile of Bielsa, to be honest, because I think they have the players that are set up to play in a pretty dynamic way, like he did. It just felt with Jesse Marsh, he didn't know how to get the most out of them because it's a pretty young team as well. When you look at it, you got, you know, Njonto looks really... Um, high potential on that left wing and then you've got so many in midfield Tyler Adams and McKenna are under 25 it's a lot of raw potential and just looking at the leading candidates you got Corberan, which is the West Brom manager who seems to be doing pretty well there. I think they've just offered him a new contract as yeah. well to try and keep him. He's already um, said no as well. Yeah, and then you've got the next one, which is Areola, which is the Rayo Vallecano manager. I think he's actually ruled himself out as well. So it seems like the options are becoming shorter and shorter and then it ultimately leads back to Marcelo Bielsa. So who knows? Because I know Leeds, as a... As a uh, place in general and as a club and their fan base still absolutely adore him I've never been a fad of managers going back to clubs though it just feels like it never usually pans out the way it once did in terms of the special moments and why it became special so you have to be careful with that I think it's a bit of a poison chalice that yeah. kind of that kind of, um, it, it feels very fantasy and beautiful when you talk yeah, about yeah. it, but in reality, there are you know, so many examples of that. Aren't oh there? It, it never, it so r- very, very rarely works out. Apart from you know, if you Jose Mourinho, <laughs> you yeah. go back to Chelsea, but then, but then you know, end it all burns down. Then yeah. didn't it? So in yeah. the end, in football, everything just burns out and goes sour. <laughs> I think that's the uh, conclusion. But there's not many great choices around at the moment. I think whoever is next is going to be a little bit of a gamble and a roll of the dice. Mm. I wonder who you'll go for, Marley, if you were Andrea
2: Retrizzani, who's the man who's supposed to be making these decisions. He said on Twitter to one Leeds supporter that yesterday was a time to get behind the team ahead of their game against Manchester United, which we'll talk about in a bit. But he said they need more time to make the right choice when it comes to replacing Jesse Marsh. Are you inclined to agree? Do you think they should bide their time? Because... Time will run out before long because the Premier League doesn't wait for anyone.
3: Yeah, I'm not sure how much time they've got. To be honest, I think you know you've put yourself in this situation where once you actively go past the World Cup break and then you change your mind, you've you've already mm. you've given yourself way more, way more work. Everton have, have done that um, with uh, with sacking Lampard and appointing Deitch, Obviously, to work short term, but you know it's still it's not an ideal situation to be in. But Leeds have probably done the same, but. I'm looking at the the manager, you know, odds and it's pretty much odds on to be um, Anthony Iraola from uh, from Vallacano. Is it Valacano? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know that that's a massive chance. It's a massive risk. I know Vallacano were punching well above their weight at the minute and play some of the best football in Spain, like pound for pound. But yeah, yeah, they're you know, they're
2: the kind of the fourth club in Madrid, so to speak. You know, <laughs> yeah,
3: they're like the QPR.
2: Of London, (laughs) of the Spanish league, you know. Yeah, I mean, fifth at the moment in the table. Though
3: you're right; they're doing amazing. Flying, flying. Mm. Um, Arna Arna Slot, second favourite. Not going to lie, I've never heard of him. Uh, Nuno Santos, third to one, and then there's a big jump between the rest of them. Okay, Um, sorry, the third favourite. You say you've never,
2: you say you've never heard of him. Does that not just fall in line with all of the managers that Leeds have had over the last fifteen years? Really, a lot of people, and and I don't mean to be obtuse. Anyone who's kind of a bit more into their football will have heard of him and known about him, but a lot of people will only have heard of him since he came to Leeds. Before that, Paul Heckingbottom. Before that, Thomas Christiansen, Gary Monk, Steve Evans, Ufe Rossler, Neil Redfern. But If you look at some of these names, you're thinking,
3: you know, are these the sort of characters that Leeds need to keep them in the Premier League? A lot of them were managers under the... Massimo Cellino Reign. Very true, um, very true. Of which I worked at the club at the time. And there are some... <laughs> what j- are you trying to
2: say about yourself?
3: You'll give any idiot any a, job. a job. <laughs> Stroll up and you're in. <laughs> yeah, any idiot gets a job there at that point. But I mean, yeah. So a lot of them have an asterisk against them. If Cellino appointed it, like he appointed Steve Evans for God's sake. Um, and Bottom, uh, who... Heckingbottom, who'd, Heckingbottom um, Hockaday. Hockaday. Hockaday, that's him we have been thinking of. I think he'd managed Forest Green before that or something like that. It was crazy. He'd never managed as high as the championship or even close to it. And he hired him. But I'm looking at, you know, uh, the decision he's got. I mean, Arna is the Feyenoord manager at the minute. Uh, just quick Google. But why would Feyenoord are top of the Eredivisie at the minute. And, fly, mm-hmm. and they could win the second title in, I think it's four years. Yeah. And disrupt that, and, uh, yeah. that Ajax sort yeah. of monopoly they've got on the, mm. on the thing. So that's huge. And also... Giovanni Van Bronckhorst was the last manager to win it with Feyenoord. He jumped ship to uh, Rangers the season after. Didn't go well for him as, at all. But so I'm thinking of, of Slot's uh, mentality. Obviously, I don't no idea what he's like as a person. But would you would you leave? Guarantee, almost guaranteed success, guaranteed European football for Feyenoord to go to uh, to go to go to fight a fire at, at Leeds. Um, no guarantees thinking,
2: of staying up when you look at the table as well.
3: Yeah, I mean they should stay up. Lee. They've got you know more than enough to stay up in my opinion. But mm. you know you've still got to go and do it. So it's one of those where yeah, you know who who do you look at? But I'm I'm looking at who's out of work, and I can't see past anyone more perfect for the job than Rafa Benitez, who's out of the out of work. Yeah, you know knows the Premier League, wants to prove himself after that horrendous Everton spell. Mm. Would would sort them out defensively has experience, has experience of fighting at the wrong end of the table um, and doing a good job making a, a club solid and, and building from there. He's even, there's even quite a few Spanish players at uh, <laughs> at, at Leeds which he, he would love to, to work with and stuff. There's plenty of talent there. So, mm. I mean, he's a 50-1 to one shot at the minute for, for the job. Um, Will
2: Mystic Marley strike again? Uh, I doubt it. I've not even heard him
3: being linked with it, to be fair, but... I, You know,
2: he's out of work, so anything. We'll wait and see who is selected to replace Jesse Marsh as the new Leeds United manager. But they did have to play a game, managerless last night. Three different people took temporary caretaker charge against Manchester United at old Trafford. Half an hour each. (laughs) Yeah, half an hour each. It started really well for Leeds. In the end they couldn't get the three points. We'll talk about it next after this here on Football Social Daily. Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily, your Premier League podcast from the sports social team. And last night at Old Trafford, Manchester United welcomed Leeds United. And one man who played in that fixture many times was two-time Champions League winner, five-time Premier League champion, Wes Brown, who we caught up with on yesterday's edition of the podcast. Just scroll back in the timeline and you'll be able to find our chat with Wes. But if you haven't heard it yet, here's a little snippet of what made that 1999 treble winning team so
4: special what do you think were the main differences between those two sides and like what meaning did it have for you because obviously in the 99 side you were a young kid coming into it and in the 2008 side you had had a massive role in the season Mm. what were the similarities and differences in the two teams which made them
0: champion winning sides winners in general attitude uh you know people ask me which was the best one i would still say 99 just for the simple fact the squad um you know the rules were a little bit different with subs and stuff and um, you know there was a lot of games that season, but the lads just kept kept battling on. You know, we, we obviously had a little bit of luck along the way. Um, but I always feel listen to to actually do the treble. It's not it's you know it's not an easy. But
4: even though you didn't have a massive part in that one, but you had a massive yeah, part. Yeah, I in the mean, 2008. I, I played
0: quite a lot of the games up until the quarter final, mm. and obviously, um, you're at the big stage now, and the, the the manager has to go with the you know, the players that have been there a long time and, you know, more experience, it's as simple as that. And I think that's the way uh, most things go. Obviously, in in 08, I was more of a senior figure, so I would play more games and and play in them later stages. Um, But it was a great experience and just to be involved and see it all unroll, really. Um, And again, listen, that 08, yeah, Portsmouth, what can I say? David James. What real Rio that was flapping about in yeah. goal. Clearing <laughs> <laughs> the ball <laughs> off the line. I'm sure, Niall, or, did you go to that game? Though? I would have been there, yeah. I'm sure if you watch it, if you ever watch it again, you can see how I much can't you get it. Yeah, I was, I, I cannot was believe that. That, that. That's the thing, you know, It's that was, when we look, when I look back at that, I think of that game, not necessarily that we won. The champions. Just League. the moment that you missed. Just that that moment, because it was an opportunity was to try and do it again, and it's not like it's just one of them things. Football, it's mad isn't it. I mean, yeah. we we should have won that game, but we didn't, and yes. that's that's I the mean, way. It you goes. Play that
2: game another hundred times, and United yeah, it's win it ninety five times. This <laughs> is yeah. just one of them things. And
0: that, that's the you know the that's just the little minor things where you know you you we're still a great team, but that makes it a special team if we, we were to win that again. Um, But we just didn't quite get there.
2: Really cool chat with Wes. You can find the full episode just by searching for it wherever you get your podcasts. Or if you're already on the timeline, just scroll back and you'll find it from yesterday. Let's talk about Manchester United's match last night, though, which was at home to Leeds United. And it got off, Joel, to the worst possible start. After 55 seconds, Nianto, the little Italian for Leeds United, put the Whites in the lead. They've never won a Premier League game at Old Trafford, I think. I'm not 100% on that statistic, but I was just looking through some of the results over the years and I was trying to find the last time they won a game at Old Trafford and it was 2010 in the FA Cup where Jermaine Beckford scored a goal. And, you know, this time it was Nyonto opening the scoring. He looks an exciting talent. He's an Italian international. He signed from Swiss club Zurich. Maybe a bit of a Jesse Marsh legacy there because he was one of his signings. Do you think that from what we've seen so far from him, he might be... Snapped up by another club soon.
4: Just what I say, first and foremost, it absolutely cracked me up seeing the three managers on the touchline. (laughs) Just like they're all on work experience, not knowing what's going on, (laughs) or fighting for uh, their final voice to be heard. But yeah, from the first minute, it just looked like it was going to go one way straight away, where Leeds were super aggressive in the press, uh, which obviously led to the first goal where Bruno Fernandes just got absolutely cleaned out while trying to play out from the back, and then Yonto just completely direct stunned Old Trafford and yeah he looked a threat all night I don't know if it was because of him looking a threat or because Diogo Dallo was completely off the boil he was cold he, wasn't he? was he really Ram- like a daring Bam who's
2: been deputising was ill yesterday and you can tell
4: in his crazy turn of events wan mm-hmm. was a guy who's going to be touted to be leaving in January and now Dallo, he looked really off the pace but yeah I mean if I take my biased hat off I mean I was pleasantly surprised with how good leads were yesterday They just, like Eric Tang Hag said after the game, they just looked way more aggressive. And like from the very first minute, they were treating it like a rivalry game, whereas United seemed a little bit complacent in the play. Uh, A very horrible scenario, which is that we are a one-man midfield. That's the most clear-as-day game I've ever seen, where the two-man midfield of Sabitzer, who... I think he's still getting to grips with the pace of the game, yeah, fair enough. It's just his second game and his yeah, first start. It's going to take so. him time. From the Bundesliga as well, I'm sure it is an absolute like, car crash watching everything around him. Fred, on the other hand, he was playing against us yesterday, I swear to God. When you look he, at, he
2: does this, Fred, right? He'll have an amazing game. It's a 5 out of 10 then, or a 10 out of 10. Yeah, There's no in-between. The in between. consistency no is... no
4: in-between. Casemiro, mm. you realise... I, I realise now, I had an epiphany yesterday, which is that the greatest players do the most simple things very well non-stop, whatever happens. Yeah, yeah, Fred, you've got a flip of a coin if he's going to be able to have some composure on the ball, Yeah, if he's going to be able to pass out from the back. And the fact we had to use him as the transition from defence to midfield to attack was the issue. Mm. He he has no composure. Do you know what? I um, feel the
2: same about Declan Rice at West Ham. I don't think he's like a particularly special player, not like in the ilk of someone in midfield like Zidane, for example. Yeah. But he just does the basics really it well. He does the bread and butter. Stuff and it, simply, and it you know, yeah. keeps the team and it ticking, looks, over. He keeps it ticking. He's a metronome, isn't yeah, he, pretty sure. much?
4: But just not as good as some of the best grandfather clocks out there. But <laughs> um, it almost gave me a little bit of a sense of the USA versus England game, in the sense that I know there's a lot of USA players on the Leeds team, but I just remember distinctively that game where England were dominating everyone in possession. And when they played against the USA, USA's press was that aggressive that it just disrupted the whole flow. Because if anyone's ever watched United this season, passing out from the back has been a pretty core aspect of the game this season. And every time the defence got it and the midfield got it, they looked like they had to keep playing, keep playing, keep passing. And it just disrupted the whole flow. But... Yeah, it was a because Tim- Timothy thing. Weir was doing the what Nyonto was doing. Yeah, last yeah, literally night. just chasing, 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 chasing the yeah, weakest yeah. guy on in possession, and mm-hmm. it actually works because mm. Dedalo D- looked really uncomfortable against. But yeah, Ten Hag was absolutely seething, spat his chewing gum out on the floor when Fred kept dispossessing himself. Um, he. He's probably looking at Casemiro thinking, why did you put your hands on his <laughs> neck or yeah, collar yeah. Yeah, or whatever yeah. it was? But yeah, it was a tough game yesterday, I needlessly.
2: Mean, Manchester United, I was just looking at Eric Ten Hag's bench, massively inexperienced. And some might say maybe even lacking in a little bit of quality. You look at the injuries that United have got and Eriksen is out. You're right. Casemiro's suspended at the moment. Players... Like Scott McTominay, who maybe aren't quite the right fit for United moving forward, he's injured at the moment as well. So if you look at this Manchester United bench here, Lindelof, Maguire, Malassia, Heaton, Sancho, who we'll talk about shortly, Pellistri, Ilanga, Iqbal and Menuh. It's a very young and very inexperienced bench. I know United have got injuries and suspensions.
4: Yeah, it's true. Um, this is what I mean. We're almost like an injury away from capitulation where the team goes from such a high quality in the play to one injury or suspension, which is Casemiro. And suddenly we're almost back to square one in terms of how weak the midfield is. Um, I think Scott Metomine is actually a big miss in this situation because he's probably our only other true the midfielder apart from Casemiro who can do that kind of thing well. Because I don't trust Fred to be a defensive midfielder because he just simply cannot do it. He needs someone else to almost hold his hand in midfield. But yeah, like you say, I mean, there's a hell of a lot of kids on the bench. Even Garnaccio, the biggest chances With, fell to him yesterday. Which and is it,
2: great because that's the DNA of Manchester United. It isn't?
4: is, but they shouldn't be the first resort. Sure. You need to be bedding them in slowly. You don't want to push them into the, the, you know, the big fire pit and try and make them make a name for themselves because it very rarely works. And if it doesn't work, their confidence takes a huge hit. So I think um, in the summer it's pretty clear that we need depth. We can't be relying on just having like an average age of eighteen on the bench and trying to yeah. uh, bed them in in that way because it's just never going to work. We need experience. But yeah, like you say, I mean the injury issues is not a great thing because it's all about it's sixty percent of the midfield's it injured. Yeah. It's never mm-hmm. going to help any team, is it?
2: Just looking at the substitutes from both sides, actually. When did Joel Robles sign for Leeds United? What, the former Wigan legend? The West Ham goalkeeper that Jim absolutely hated oh, when I he see. was there because he kept throwing the ball into his own goal. One of the when worst did that goalies ever. I don't oh. know. If- He's back in the Premier League, though. He's on the bench for Leeds. Uh, let's talk about Leeds again, though, because they had a two-goal lead. The first time since the mid-1970s that they had a two-goal advantage over Manchester United. It was at Old Trafford as well. Again, they don't have a great record there. But how will Leeds be viewing this result, all things considered? Because Rashford and Sancho both scored to pull it back to 2 2 Marley. Point gained or two points dropped? How will Leeds view this, considering how they went into the
3: game and then two goals up? I think when it comes down to it, it's a point gained because they wouldn't have expected, I don't think any Leeds fan would have expected to win. Uh, Man United banging form. Uh, It's like win before the game, you know what I mean? Man United are in form. Leeds are not in any form, don't have a manager. You know, three work experience guys on the touchline, you know, trying to push the team into some formation. So if you said to the, to the fans, you know, you're gonna get a point at Old Trafford, I think everyone would have took it. Um, obviously the way it transpired was not uh, not ideal, but I think there's more positives to take than negatives. You know, they they went two nil up at Old Trafford. They scored goals. Um, they took their chances when they came. Um, and you know, on a, on another day, I think with a a more solid approach to to uh, defending, which a proper manager will give them, or hopefully, um, that would like that game would end in a in a Leeds win and Leeds hanging on. But you didn't learn anything new really from from Leeds, other than like they will be defensively weak um, and give you chances. You know, Rashford wins a, a superb header, but if a ball goes into the box, you want your centre back beating Rashford to it every time. Um, I think it was cock the centre back. He's done. I I'd just look at him and think, I'm just expecting a mistake from you every week. Did he cock up? He did. He, co- he <laughs> cocked up. Um, Pascal Strauch, who I've given a lot of stick to over the years playing left back. He looks even worse at left back in my opinion. Mm, I can't. I'm not having him as a than fan. than, than centre back. He looks poor at centre back. Poor at left back. I don't know whether he's just in the team because he's got a nice ponytail or whatever. Shaved don't it off,
2: has he cut it off? Has he cut it off? I think he's I don't cut know because I couldn't you know. watch a bloody match. Could I? <laughs>
3: <laughs> so, so yeah, it's um, it's there's there's positives to take, but you know negatives that will need sorting out. So I, I don't think it's a, a hard job to work out what's wrong for the whoever the new manager is coming in. But there's talent there in the forward line, but it's just the defence needs some sort of shape and some sort of uh, plan when uh, when Leeds haven't got the ball.
2: So Leeds United 2, Manchester United 2 at Old Trafford last night. How does that shape the Premier League table? Well, it leaves Manchester United in third position after 22 games, 43 points. That's a four-point gap to Tottenham Hotspur in fifth. So they've got a decent little cushion in the top four. Newcastle below them on 40 points at the moment after four draws in the Toons' last five games. At the other end of the table, Leeds down to 16th on 19 points, just one point above the relegation zone and four days time going to play Manchester United again this time Old Trafford. yeah doesn't happen too often that two sides playing against each other home and away back to back anyway next up on Football Social Daily we're going to be answering some of your questions because on a Thursday we do something called AQA which stands for any questions answered you send them into this we rattle through them and we'll do it after this here on FSD Final part of today's Football Social Daily. Welcome back to the podcast. If you hit subscribe, that way you won't miss an episode again, including any of our interviews with Premier League personalities. So far this season, we've already spoken to the likes of Brian McClare, Wes Brown, which was released only yesterday, Matt Jarvis. We've got an interview with Trevor Stephen coming up as well and some other exciting former Premier League players that we'll be chatting to soon in the next few weeks. So make sure you do hit subscribe and that way you won't miss any of those. But now on Football Social Daily, it's time to answer your questions. It's AQA, any questions answered? You've sent them into us via social media, and we're going to rattle through them now. And this first one comes from Somerset Dave, and Somerset Dave wants to know: Marley, has Bournemouth's slide into the relegation zone gone unnoticed? Gary O'Neill got a good new manager bounce after Scott Parker's sacking and was given the job permanently. But now they've got new owners at Bournemouth and they'll be keen to stay in the Premier League. Might he be the next manager to go? Interesting question from Somerset Dave. Bournemouth are 19th in the table on
3: 17 points and two points from safety. I think with with Bournemouth, it's the uh, curse of appointing a manager that's did well in a, what do you call it, temporary role. Like caretaker role, Gary O'Neill picked up. I think he was. I think he lost one game in his in his ten. Is that right? Mm. Um, he did well when he came when he first really
2: came well. in to to pick up off of Scott Parker. They you know they
3: lost nine yeah. nil when Scott Parker got sacked and yeah. And then now I think that honeymoon bounces as wore off. If you wanna if you wanna just simply put it down to that, um, and it comes into the real like this is this the sort of period of the season which is so important february and march are, are huge because you don't really want to be going into into april in the bottom three because then you've got like eight games to go or something like that and you, you're struggling against the tide type of thing mm. um and no new managers want to come in and take the job on a, a 10 game basis um so i, th- I think they are going to have to think about it because there are probably people out there who they can attract to take the job um that, that have more experience in the game than Gary O'Neill. Uh, O'Neill played a lot of games in the Premier League and the Football League and, you know, very experienced English football man, mm. but is he a very experienced football manager? No, not no. really. I mean,
2: he did some coaching at Liverpool um, when, yeah. Stephen, when Stephen Gerrard was in the academy. He did some coaching there and I think under Jurgen Klopp as well has done a bit of coaching, but, you know... Like you mentioned, managing a senior team—you mean it's Gerard was, was managing the academy? Yeah, I was Gerard, <laughs> say it sounded
3: yeah. like when Gerard was <laughs> in the academy. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, now he's—you uh, know—he's—he's he's, he's got experience, but I don't think there's any substitute for experience. Fighting a fire like that, you know, it's mm. hard to hard to just chuck yourself into. Um, so, I would wouldn't be surprised if they made a change, and then it's a case of of who do you get? You know, yeah. are you in the lead situation again, where? Um, you're taking a chance on a, a foreign guy coming in from another another club in another league and learning the players and things like that. But
2: I just wonder with what Dave's question is, you know, new ownership at Bournemouth, they've just come in and they don't want to be managing a championship club. I mean, we saw something similar at Burnley where Alan Pace took over at Turf Moor, mm. sacked Sean Dyche, didn't work, they got relegated and now they've got company and, and they're flying and they will be back in the Premier League next season, Burnley, no doubt about it, but... I guess Bournemouth owners might be thinking we can cut that step out if we make the right decision.
3: I'm not. I'm not saying yeah. Gary O'Neill should be sacked. By the way, it's absolutely not what I'm saying. But you know, just going yeah, off but the question. Yeah, they'll be thinking it because they didn't put him in, in charge in the first place, did they? So, you know, they've got money. Uh, the takeover's just been done. How many times do you see it when new managers, uh, new owners come in and they get rid of the manager straight away? You know, it's... it's uh, And they've got
2: Newcastle next as well. But if they win that, which I don't think they will, but if they do, they're out of the yeah. relegation zone. That's how tight it is.
3: Yeah, it is, it is tight down there, to be fair. Um, no one... I wouldn't put money on anyone going down, like, for definite. Um, the good thing is, is
4: that all of the promoted sides, they look pretty sure fit to stay up now. So you're going to be what, looking at three Fulham established and, sides who are going to go down.
3: Yeah, I mean, Fulham are safe, aren't they? But... I, th- I still think like even Forrest, like Forest at thirteenth, and all the fans are giving it ah, oh, where you all said we were gonna go down. Keep going blah, about blah, Forest, blah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, welcome to the mentions, lads. Um,
0: <laughs> but it's just, yeah, you know, well, oh, we're going to stay
3: up, blah, blah, because blah, mm, we're 13th and there's, there's only 15 yeah. games to go. They won three of, their one last, of yeah, like, it's, not, it's not a given. Mm,
2: Forrester won three of their last five games. I had them, Fulham and Bournemouth all to go down this season. Fulham mm. have been. And, revelation. Yeah, Fulham have been the complete anomaly to that prediction, but Nottingham Forest were in the bottom three for ages and Bournemouth were mid-table for ages. And I was thinking... Well, one of them's going to go, and it's not going to be Bournemouth. And now the tables have turned. Forest have moved up to mid-table, and Bournemouth are in the bottom three. Mm. But as you mentioned, there's nothing to suggest that that bottom three shake-up, which is Everton, Bournemouth, Southampton at the moment, there's no reason that couldn't change in the next two and a half weeks, because there's so many games coming up.
1: Yep.
3: It's uh, a bit of a Royal Rumble th- down at the bottom of the, <laughs> the Premier League at the minute. Anything could happen. Anyone can tip over the top rope. Yep. Um, but who's going to be the the, <laughs> the last man standing?
2: <laughs> the biggest character. None other than Sean Dage. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, great question, Dave. Thanks for that. Uh, this is another question, um, which Jim actually raised in the office before we came into the studio. So not one that's technically been sent in by you, but you can get them into us on social media. Um, at FSD pod and there've been a few questions we have had about this Manchester City allegations from the Premier League and the best way to get your head around it if you're not exactly sure what's been going on is listen to our episode on Tuesday with football finance expert Kieran Maguire from the Price of Football you can also hear him summarizing exactly what the situation is between the Premier League and Manchester City on that Twitter handle that I just mentioned which is at FSD pod but a few of you have sent some questions in about it and this is one that Jim raised that kind of links to it that I thought was really interesting. If Manchester City are found guilty of what the Premier League has accused them of, does that taint all of the achievements of Pep Guardiola and his players during the last few years? Now that's a difficult one to unpick because we know that Manchester City are being accused of financial discrepancies by the Premier League. Does that take away from what the players have done on the pitch because I keep hearing this term Joel being thrown around cheating the players haven't cheated I don't think Pep Guardiola has cheated in the way he's coached his players yes they've been able to maybe use their finances to secure players or pay for things in a way that they shouldn't have done that's what some of the accusations are but in terms of whether this taints what Pep Guardiola's achieved with that group of players what would you say to that?
4: Well if you look at it in black and white Of course it does, because they've gone against the rules. And when you go against the rules, you've basically cheated. You've gone against the system, which gives you a competitive advantage. And when you look at how close it was, for example, between Liverpool and City in the last four or five years, I'm sure Liverpool fans will have a massive uh, grievance towards the fact that that one point in between them taking three titles every season for the last three seasons rather than just one in the last seven years, of course they'll have something to say about it because City have gained a competitive advantage by all these you know, payments that have been made which are not on the balance books and this kind of thing. I mean, When you look at Juventus, they've just had a 15-point deduction for using the Plus Valenza system which basically allows you to take a transfer for a super high fee, return one for a super high fee like the Arthur and the Pjanic transfer which was a big one. Where they both signed one another for 75 million. On the balance books, it looks like they received 75 million, which then helps their balance books going forward. That has resulted in a 15 point deduction. Mm. And of course, it's going to taint everything that's happened. But I think the bottom line is I think a lot of football th- fans probably think it is that when your club gets taken over by a state, or one with unlimited money. Nothing against, like the states, for example. It's not like we've got some agenda here. But when you you're getting this huge cash injection, which takes you from mid-table mediocrity to the top of the world, of course you're gonna have some kind of. When you're when you compare it to Liverpool's situation, where they've had to really grind out, scouting systems and really develop themselves, and you know slowly build up from the bottom. They're going to have grievances of it. I understand that completely. But, but it's not the player's case, fault, is it? It's not, no, it's the not pl- Kevin the players De Bruyne's the, the, fault or the, the, Bernardo the, Silva's the, the responsibility. Yeah, they're byproducts of it. The, the, so they only. wouldn't
2: know They wouldn't know any difference. They wouldn't take to the field thinking, I'm cheating today. I'm not going to lie. Whenever I get a paycheck, I look at the money and I think, okay, great. This is what I've been paid. I don't think, oh, I wonder where that money came from. It's just not it's not on my radar. And then why should it be? It's not my responsibility. Yeah, and it's
4: not like the players are going to be banned for life for doing for taking it's not like the Juventus and AC Milan situation of, you know, match fixing where and, they still, <laughs> and even they, they didn't still, have any issue. They they were involved in they that as well. They still won those titles. They did, but it just depends what kind of perspective you want to take on it, which yeah. is that mm. if had they not had that competitive advantage with the money, would that have allowed them to gain the players that they actually signed? Because let's not forget, when they first began their revolution under Sheikh Mansour the reason why players were joining city was because they were able to flash the cash in front of the best players eyes that's the reason why they got david Silva, yaya toure uh, sergio aguero when he was probably the most
3: expensive Robbie player in Nor- back in the day when he said yeah these didn't are all allegations
4: by the way
2: we need yeah. to make that clear this is not cut and dried it's not been resolved and it will take some time to resolve it we don't know that city are guilty we don't know that city are innocent
3: because we're still trying to figure out what exactly the next steps and processes are. You know, I don't, I don't see them as guilty, because obviously it'll all come out in the next few years. But you know, for the sake of of arguing, let's just say that you know all this comes down to are they guilty or not? Like I don't think they're they're guilty because I think Man City have built, have come up with a strategy to exploit a new rule that's been put in in the Premier League in terms of FFP. Yes. And it's like, you know, everyone talks about, oh, how can they get away with this with FFP? Because you're a fat bloke sat on a sofa and you've had an accountant who's on half a million a year have a look at these rules and say, okay, they're the rules, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't allow for this and it doesn't allow for that. It doesn't allow for us a pillow pillow sponsorship, which gets us five million a season. You don't have to, you know, there's creative ways of going about it to exploit loopholes. I think that's what Man City have done.
2: Hmm. It's the lack of cooperation with the Premier League, though, which is another element to these accusations and allegations, is that City have withheld information deliberately or they've made it difficult for the Premier League to conduct their investigation, which has taken four
3: years. I don't don't believe the Premier League are militant enough to go and get something right the first time, because if you send someone an email, you know they can interpret it they can see what you've not written mm. as much as what you have written so you can say you know oh it shows this this this, mm. and this because it all stems from the leaks and those
2: leaked emails from a few years ago i remember sitting in this studio talking about it on the radio actually when the studio next door mm. and thinking about what this might mean for the future of manchester city and that kind of got ironed out and then there was the UEFA ban went to cast that got ironed out so city have had these accusations and you know stuff thrown their way for the
3: last few years so it's not anything that they probably wouldn't yeah. know how to deal with but and City won won their case last time didn't they which they did, just yeah. proved that well, not necessarily won they just well, got the, so lawyered the, the up to yeah. prevent them thing. from even looking but listen we get we get we get bogged the, down though, aren't the lawyers we? will find a way out if there if there's a way out there still has to be a way out if there's a 100 charges surely there's some
2: substance to it there has to be at this point we don't know enough and the question was about whether If City are found guilty, which they haven't been, and they might well not be, we'll wait and see what happens at the outcome of these investigations. Would Pep Guardiola's success and that of the players he's coached be tainted? Who knows? I think that's one for personal opinion. Right, final question. I really like this question. This comes from Jane, and she says, Which nationality, apart from British or Irish, would have the best team if you made an 11 of Premier League players from just that country, past and present? I think France. I don't know. If we're talking about past and present together, for instance, Omri would be up front, Giroud would be up front, Robert Pires would be in the midfield, Claude Makélélé would be in the midfield, Patrick uh, Vieira, Ngolo Conte. You know, yeah, there's he's. a present player, uh, Marcel Desailly at the back. I Rafa mean, even Varane, Varane Le Laurent Beuf. Koscielny. <laughs> Frank Leboeuf, Laurent Blanc. The only one is the goalkeeper, which might be a bit of a... Sanya? Sanya. So for me, France, straight away, I was like, it's got to be France. I was just Mm. thinking of the best goal scorers in the history of the Premier League. You know, you're thinking Henri, because you can't choose English players for this question. Henri, Aguero, these sorts of players. So that would be my selection. So I'm just getting it out there. I mean, who would have the best team if you made an 11 of, of Premier League players from just that country, past or present? Jim's shout in the office before we came in here was Brazil. No. And you can nah,
4: have there's not enough top attackers, I don't think.
2: What? Not even right now in the Premier League. Well, compared it
4: to that French to French line, okay. no no debate.
2: Martinelli. Oh come on. I oh, know, I know, but Martinelli, hear me out here. Gabriel Jesus. Janino. Janino, <laughs> the Middlesbrough Janino. Bruno Gabarish. You've got two world class goalkeepers to choose from. Thiago no, Silva.
4: That France team would maul it for breakfast, yeah. lunch and dinner. I think you'd need the two goalies in goal at the same time. The, team. You
2: could play Edison in midfield. <laughs> I was thinking yeah. that, a
4: nationality that stood out to me straight away was Argentina. Okay. Just because you had Aguero and Tevez, which I argue two of the best Argentinian players ever. Uh, Mascherano, who's pretty much won everything.
3: Di Maria? Di yeah.
4: Maria, Martinez... Uh, Julian
2: okay. Spironi in goal
4: Martin, <laughs> Martinez
2: Emi <laughs> Martinez Yeah Emmy Martinez, Martinez of course.
4: Lassandro Martinez There's got to be some more It's midfielders I think where you fall down uh, Enzo Fernandez He's so young played prove.
2: two games or something
4: I'm really top heavy Argentina are always top heavy aren't they I'm really, I'm really <laughs> playing a lot of stake on that, uh, that attack Gabriel Heinze Heinze, oh, Heinze Heinze Heinze, Heinze yeah, whatever yeah. you call
3: him yeah. he was probably the only full back you've ever The defence is lacking isn't it Zabaleta, Zabaleta, yeah, City, great shout. Probably, you, could, you probably can't name another right back that that's played in the Premier League yeah, from Argentina, and won, really.
4: And, and really did well.
3: Mm. So France and Argentina.
2: I'll
4: say that. Any other shouts? Too, really, Spain. I would say Spain, but it's very midfield centric again. Well, you got
2: David de Gea in goal, David Silva in the midfield, Piqué, Gerard Piqué at the back, and I played a handful of games for yeah. Manchester United. Uh, Fernando Torres up front.
4: In his, pink, in his prime, Diego has to be Costa, Jaby Alonso, Alonso, David Silva, Jaby Alonso, and then I'm sure missing. there's plenty.
2: Casola, Casola, Oriol Romeo. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
4: <Jesus> <laughs> Maybe Christ. we're scraping a bit there, aren't we? Really? Yeah, you got like Pedro and all these other. Yeah, I th- honestly, Jesus France have are, France are very much far and wide, aren't they? The, mm. the in terms of quality and in terms of what they won. 'Cause it basically a lot of it comes from that invincible side, the Arsenal side, and mm. it's pretty hard to Well, there's loads of it.
2: players and we not mention like Wiltor or yeah. Nikola Nelka. Or
4: Paddy Evre, like left back.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I think it's France. I think it's France. I think mm. that's the answer to that question, Jane. I think it's France. I think that's the answer. What do yeah. you think? Let us know anyway, at FSD Pod on Twitter. Get in touch with us. Um maybe we should put that question out to the socials as well and see what people see what people think. Yep. Um the answer would really be so, get in touch with us there. It's the best place to send us your questions for next week's AQA as well. But that is it from us. Don't forget to hit subscribe, and that way you won't miss tomorrow's show, where we do a quick fire look ahead to the weekend's Premier League action. Marley and Joel will be joining me for
4: that. I was oh, just thinking, it. as a little hint oh, go of on. Portugal, start thinking about okay. it. Okay, you've got a very good Premier League side. Okay,
2: maybe we'll get to that on social media. But that's it from us today. We'll catch you next time here on FSD. Football Social Daily is a voice Work sport production for the Sports Social Podcast Network.